This episode of Listen Up Ladies is sponsored by Sophie the Giraffe. Sophie the Giraffe is a sensory baby toy which is made from 100% natural rubber and A-grade food pigments and is still being traditionally produced for the past 60 years. Thank you, Sophie, for making this episode of Listen Up Ladies possible. Welcome to the Listen Up Ladies podcast, where we talk all things pelvic floor, pain with sex, ladder leakage, and everything in between. My name is Rachel Fitt. And my name is Sarah Anderson, and we are pelvic health physiotherapists in Australia, who both share the same passion when it comes to giving you the right information that is backed by scientific evidence on all things women's health. Please note this content is general in nature and should not be substituted for medical advice, diagnosis, and or treatment. Welcome back to the Listen Up Ladies podcast. Today we are talking to Shari Lyon, who is a hypnobirthing expert on the Gold Coast. But first, says, how was your week? <laughs> I mean, that was the third time, Rach, you just recorded that. So I'm so proud that we all, we, we got it out. <laughs> I couldn't say how was your week. <laughs> this is literally our life. But no, my week was good. My week was busy as usual. But Oh, Chris and I are trying to buy a house at the moment, and as many of you know, the market right now, on the Gold Coast particularly, it's crazy. Like, it's so competitive, prices are through the roof. It's a little bit stressful, but that's all right. We're just like spending all of our Saturdays at open homes and just sort of waiting for that crash. But anyway, it's all exciting. It's a little bit stressful, but Rach, you've had a bit more of a stressful weekend. How's your weekend weekend been? Yeah, no, the house stuff's super exciting. It's probably all the bloody Victorians coming up and trying it to get that. It actually is. Guys, leave us alone. <laughs> um, but yeah, Melbourne is back in lockdown yet again. So it was been, um, Friday was a little bit stressful. Of course, it all had to happen on a Friday. Um, so just trying to organize private practice has been a bit of a nightmare. Um, and the rules are a little bit tougher, but I feel just really sorry for our patients that need treatment and their cases are urgent, but we're just not allowed to see anyone face to face so it's just a little bit disappointing um but that's all right like hopefully we get through it and it's just something that's going to be really short there's other people that have it a lot worse i'm sure so keep your chins up victorians but we'll get there yeah hopefully it just lasts is five days and no longer but you know you just yeah, gotta ride the wave as it comes right but exactly. anyway let's get straight into it so today we have shari lyon so shari is a certified hypnobirthing australia practitioner and a mother of two living here on the beautiful gold coast in queensland Shari is passionate about spreading the word of positive birthing and truly believes that we all deserve to have a positive birth experience no matter how your baby comes into the world. Shari has personally used the Hypnobirthing Australia techniques with her own two births. She had a life-changing experience with her son at the birth centre on the Gold Coast and then again with her second in a beautiful home birth where she even filmed her birth for you to see in her courses just so she can show how amazing her birth techniques are. Shari first studied to be a practitioner through the American Institute in the Monaghan Method of Hypnobirthing. However, after hearing that Hypnobirthing Australia's Melissa Spilstead was creating her own unique Australian program, she jumped at the chance to be a part of this group. She has now been teaching this amazing program to couples all over central Queensland for seven years and has now taught hundreds of couples from all over Australia. 
Shari has presented and been asked to talk to the local hospitals, as well as organise free information nights and even rang a pregnancy, birth and baby expo. Shari is an award-winning practitioner and was awarded one of only four awards given out by Hypnobirthing Australia at the annual Hypnobirthing Australia conference. This is something that she is so proud of as she works very hard to spread the word about positive birthing. Shari has been featured in a number of stories run by the Gladstone Observer and Channel 7 News. Her goal is to improve awareness of women's rights and to help educate them on the options available to them during their pregnancy and birth. Most of all though, she is a mum who wants to help other couples have the same birth experience she did. We hope you enjoy our chat with Shari, here she is. So, Shari, can you start to start off by telling us a bit about yourself and how you got to be where you are today as a hypnobirthing practitioner? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it all started back, well, 10 years ago now. I can't believe I can say I've got a, almost got a 10-year-old. <laughs> but 10 years ago when I first found out I was pregnant with my son, Harley, um, let's just say he wasn't quite a planned pregnancy. He kind of took us by surprise. We'd just been traveling around the world for three and a half years, living the the life backpacking. And we, were, we came home and we're living with my parents and fell pregnant within three months. And it was in that moment that it all, this wave of anxiety came over me of um, fear, really fear about birth. I repetitively told myself the story that I had a low pain threshold I kind of felt like I kicked my toe and I felt like I wanted to pass out how am I going to birth a baby and I think a lot of my fear had also stemmed from hearing about my own birth with my mother um the way she described my birth to me was not in any positive way and I don't think it was positive for her um and that was her journey but the way she described my own birth to me was if I'd have had you naturally, we both would have died. And that sticks with you. What? So, me, yeah. yeah. So the, that is something that, again, I kind of realized that I had been conditioned from a very young age that birth could equal death and that cesarean birth was normal and that was safest. And so when I first found out I was pregnant, it I'd never thought about it because we hadn't planned the pregnancy. So I hadn't had that lead up into mm. um, preparing mentally uh, for having a baby and what I was going to do. I didn't know any of my options when it came to the birth options where I lived. I always believed that I should have had private health care and that by going private, you would get better care and more choice but because it wasn't planned I didn't have any private health care and so again there was that fear of going my gosh I have to go public and not that I knew anything about the public system but you kind of also think worst of the public system because it's free and so that was kind of where a big shift started to happen to me it was more really starting to tap into that intuitive voice. Um, I would say I'm quite an intuitive person. I grew up um, very much in um, doing meditation and things like that. So it, I had this internal voice kind of screaming at me inside going, you are not flawed. Like you can do this. You just need to figure out how. And I'm very much a person that put hands it over to the universe in a way and 
I really kind of trust the guidance of the signs and things that come through. And sure enough, I then had one of my colleagues mention hypnobirthing to me. Now, back 10 years ago, it was nowhere near as popular as it is now. And I kind of laughed. I was like, what? What is this hypnobirthing? What is someone hypnotizing you? And I, I did the bit of a joke because, again, all I'd ever seen of hypnosis of it was the stage hypnotherapist on the footy show. So, which <laughs> always... I feel like that's us too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They, you know, they make out that they yeah. can control people's mind and make them do things. So I was like, hypnosis in birth, hypnobirthing, like, come on, give me a break. And I left without much thinking and then I was at home and I Googled it. I was like, what is this? Like, what? I was kind of intrigued. And when I found my local practitioner, um, Melissa Spilstead, she's the director of Hypnobirthing Australia. It's her program that I teach now. It was honestly reading the birth stories that really changed my view on what it was. Because when I understood what it was, um, and that it was really about the mind body connection and giving or being taught tools and techniques for you to cope in labor. And I was like, well, I, what after reading it, I also realized how much I had no idea about my body. No one had ever taught me about the hormones of birth, about the physiology of birth. I'd literally learned about birth by watching TV shows and the media and movies. And so, of course, my perception of birth was going to be that it was painful, that it was medicalized, that you could mm. die, that the doctors were, you know, the heroes of, of the day to save your baby and that drugs were good because that's all we tend to see. And so I kind of took that leap and was like, you know what, I need to do something because if I don't do something... I have no idea what I'm going to do. And I think that was more fearful for me than anything else. You know, there's that fear of the unknown. And there's always that fear of the unknown, regardless of how educated you are on, on things, especially if you've never gone through an experience. But it really kind of made me realize that I had absolutely no, no idea about birth. Um, and so my partner and I, my husband and I went along and we did our course over four weeks and my even after the first session, my whole perception of birth changed because I actually had someone explaining it to me in a way that I could understand and in a positive way without trying to incite fear. And that was honestly where the big shift started to happen because it made me realize that if you don't know your options and you don't have any, and here I was mm. being told that you actually do have options you do have choice. This is your experience. This is your body. This is your baby. And I did the course, finished it off. Yeah. Total perception of birth changed. I believed in my ability to birth, but what was amazing was that I was given these tools and techniques that I could practice to in the lead up. And you know what? I did the work. And I think that's, that's a big part of, of what I do. And it's sharing this information with women, but it's what you do after the course to help prepare your mind and body for birth. And I was committed. Um, I'm a pretty strong will person when I, when I put my mind to something, no one's going to stop me. And I went into spontaneous labor at 39 weeks. It was long and it was definitely a marathon. It was not a sprint that what that was for sure. But without 
the knowledge, the tools and the techniques that I had gained and also the model of care that I had chosen as well. Um, I ended up choosing a midwifery led care, continuity of care model within the Gold Coast University Hospital. It was called the Birth Centre. So, and they supported all of the, everything that I had learned. And I'll, I will kind of share a little bit more about that and the importance of choosing a right caregiver, but I did it. The moment that I had my baby in my arms I remember looking up at my husband and I think I was still in shock that I'd actually done it. And that, yeah. And it, it, it was, I mean, having a baby is, is life changing for everyone. But for me, it changed my life in a, in a way that I came out of that experience going every single woman and birth partner deserves to have this information because, and this is my why, like my why Mm. is that, if we don't share this information, then what's going to happen to the women and babies, you know, at this time? And that's where my why is that every couple deserves to be given the opportunity to have a positive birth. Um, and it's not just mm. about natural birth. It's not just, you know, you, hypnobirthing isn't just if you're wanting vaginal birth. It's about having a positive experience and we all deserve that. Um, so yeah, that was kind of my journey and I, it was from my own birth experience that I just, once again, I felt this massive calling. I tried to push it down. I tried to be like, who's going to want to learn from me? I'm not a midwife. I'm not a doctor. And you know, that, that's that ego trying to stop, you know, it was trying to stop me, but it kept coming up. You, you have to do this. You've got to share this information. And so I ended up training, um, originally with the American program because that was the only one that was available at the time and that was a program that um, I did learn but then my practitioner had broke away from them and created her own all Australian program which is now known as Hypnobirthing Australia and I knew I wanted to teach her program so yeah I was in her first group of practitioners back in 2013 and I've been teaching now for over eight years um I've been awarded in the top three practitioners the last six years running. And last year I actually was awarded the the leading practitioner in Australia. So this work is my life's work now. And it's, you know what, if we're going to change the world, it has to start with birth. (laughs) And I love that you're so passionate about it too. Like I think that's why you're so successful, Shari. Do you think that with your experiences, like I always find – Rachel and I haven't had kids before, but I feel like sometimes I get a bit worried listening to birth stories because I'm worried about the trauma that women go through. Do you feel the same when new mums come to you and they they are a bit scared about, you know, they've heard this X, Y, Z and that might put them off? Do you find that in your classes? Oh, all the time. And I know because it happened to me as well. It happens to every single woman for some reason. And I, 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 I understand in some ways, you know, I, I feel like our well-meaning family members and friends and even strangers are, I don't know whether it's they're trying to warn us that because of the experience that they had, just don't do what they did and, you know, do it the other way and just have the drugs or I don't know what it is with women who've had babies feeling it's okay to scare up newly pregnant women with their stories, but I don't think it comes from a place of being um, malicious or anything like that. It's just unfortunately become a part of our um, culture. It's like a cultural thing that we just share. And do you know what? This is kind of understanding as well how we are as humans. We 
Mindset-wise, many, many people and many of us tend to always focus on everything that could go wrong or everything that went wrong rather than focus on everything could go right. And it's like that in in any business, you know, you're, you're more inclined to complain about something than give a positive review about the service you've been given. It's kind of the same with birth. Um, mm. So, yeah, I absolutely see many women coming in feeling so scared because of the stories that have been shared with them. Um, but that is where my job really as a positive birth coach is to get them to understand that they can create their own journey. We all have the opportunity to create our own experience. We just need to learn a different way. And this is the thing. What is it? What does Einstein say? If you keep doing something the same way and expect a different outcome, that's the definition of insanity. So, you know, it's like when it comes to birth, we if women just keep doing what, what they're doing without any preparation without any knowledge without choosing caregivers who are going to be support to support them then high chances are that things won't go the way that they had in quotes planned and they will come out traumatized like and that's also here in Australia like we have one in three women suffer birth trauma so and that's shocking and it shouldn't that's be like lot. that so yeah. that's where the work that i do is not just about also educating i want to help stimulate questions like why why is there so much trauma in birth why is there so much intervention in birth why do we have one of the highest cesarean rates in the world but they don't ask the questions because it's just become normal mm-hmm. and it's it shouldn't be it i remember like being quite shocked at the fact that when I actually wanted to share with my family and friends that I wanted to approach birth as naturally as possible, I was looked at as not being normal. Why would you want to do that? Why wouldn't you just go for the drugs? I had a friend say to me, would you go to the dentist and get your tooth pulled without any anesthesia? Well, why would you do that with, you know, having I feel like there's no comparison. (laughs) But this is how people that this is yeah. is the perception and and this is from um so many generations of conditioning and then the medical system in some ways taking over birth that it it has become normal and acceptable and so questions are not asked and that is what I'm here to do is mm-hmm. to help inspire women to take back their birth to feel empowered to ask questions and to advocate for themselves and for their baby and the kind of experience that they want and they deserve to have. Absolutely. And I really like that because I'm all about patients and people that we work with making informed decisions, but you can't make an informed decision unless you've done your research, you've asked questions, you've done courses like what you run. If you're not exposing yourself to any information and learning throughout your journey, how can you make an informed decision based on maybe just your medical practitioner or the midwife that is caring for you in pregnancy? And unfortunately, it's just not spoken about enough and people do want to speak about their negative experiences. But what gets me is being a pelvic floor physio and Sarah would find the same is people aren't talking about prolapse. They're not talking about the sexual pain afterwards. They're not talking about bladder leakage and all of these other issues that are really negative. People are just keeping them to themselves. But birth trauma and talking about how things go wrong people are happy to share their negative experience about that and i i like don't understand why people are happy to share that but not other pelvic floor conditions yeah no i i don't know i wish i had the answer for that but that's kind of where i think we are the change 
you know we yeah. we need to encourage the the women to speak up and and yeah just educate education is the key honestly and I keep coming back to this saying if you don't know your options then you don't have any but also Mm -hmm. this is something that I've learned as well that because for so long I kind of and even when I walked out of my own course I walked out going why why don't our medical caregivers share this information with us why are we not told this why are we not taught this at school and I realized that it's actually not our medical caregivers' role to educate us. They are there to ensure that our we are safe and that our baby is safe. And it's... If, so who's left to explain and educate, you know? That's, yeah. Well, and that's where we need to also take back some responsibility as well and do the research and, you know, educate ourselves. The way that I kind of describe it is that, like, giving birth is like running a marathon. You know, would you turn up to run a 42K marathon and expect your body to get to the finish line without doing any kind of physical um, preparation training. But it's not just the physical, it's the mental because running a marathon is fatiguing. What our body goes through, the sensations, it can be painful because of of the, the length in time that the muscles are working. So it's also very much a mindset work as well that you need to push your body to limits that it's never been before but the more you do that in the training the more you'll be able to push yourself through those sensations come come the big race and it's exactly the same with birth what our body goes through physically is like running a marathon the muscles that are being used to help move our baby through the pelvis and again it's such a mind over body experience as well so it's funny, like when I hear women say, I'm just going to wing it. And I just think, would you do that to run a marathon? And when I ask them that, mm. they're like, well, no. And I'm like, well, why would you do it when it comes to preparing for mm. your birth mm. or not preparing? Yeah. Mm. And, but that's the thing, like it could go, it could be a textbook delivery and be fine. And it could be the complete other end and everything possible go wrong. Like it's so unpredictable that the more tools you have in your toolbox to help you, that if things do maybe, you know, go in the wrong direction, you've got heaps of things to draw on to help you get through that and still have a positive experience. Absolutely. And that's exactly why the program that I teach is called the Positive Birth Program. It's not called the Natural Birth Program. It's no matter how your baby comes into the world, feeling prepared to a certain extent and understanding that there is a big part of birth that you can't plan but you can prepare. And that's exactly what I take my clients through. It's a whole preparation of mind, body, tools, techniques, but I also even go into depth about their choices around medical intervention, what the difference is between a complication in pregnancy or birth compared to a variation. Um, And this is is something that is really eye-opening to them, for them to even know that you can actually say no you can say no to medical intervention if you don't feel it's a valid enough reason. But so many women don't. And again, it's because of the language and how we have been conditioned within the system to, in some ways, just conform. Um, you know, the language that is used, oh, we won't allow you to go over 41 weeks. We won't allow you to birth in the water until I've given you a vaginal examination. And that's kind of where what I do is I actually do share the options with them and saying, you can say no to a vaginal examination, 
vaginal examinations are optional. But I didn't know that. That was actually something I didn't know for my own birth as well. So, um, yeah, there's a lot. There, do you know what, though? There is a big awakening happening. There is a big shift that's happening. And I can I can see it because my class numbers are just, you know, I'm booking out and having to put on more mm. courses. You know, last year alone in 2020, I taught over 300 couples. So it's it's happening and it's like that ripple effect and this is where um podcasts like you are creating this is what we're going to help to do is just bring awareness whether or not people act upon the information that we share but it's you know knowledge that you, you kind of hear people say knowledge is power but it's actually the application of the knowledge that makes it powerful and that that's mm. where we all have our own free will and free choice mm-hmm. and it's what people do with the information that will make it powerful but if they don't then that's okay as well because it's all all, we all have our own journey so there's no right or wrong and this is a big thing that the way that I teach I just had a mum today message me saying I've booked in for an induction because um we're getting we're, we're getting married a few weeks after our baby is due and I don't want to go over do you still is do you think your your course is still um beneficial for me and i said absolutely i teach about induction but then i give you tools and techniques to be able to use with the induction and for you you'd be able to know what kind of intervention what will happen that you can be a part of the decision making she goes oh i just didn't want to feel judged i'm like there's no judgment if you what i want every single woman to go into their birth is feeling informed and empowered and then in turn that is what's going to create the the lasting memory of their experience. Absolutely. That's um, a massive few weeks for that lady, I'm sure. <laughs> a wedding after having yeah. a newborn. <laughs> um, so, Shari, just deviating a little bit, we just want to know a little bit more about yourself and then we're going to get straight back into the hypnobirthing side of things. Can you tell us three facts about yourself that we may not already know? Well, besides I'm like a massive birth nerd, um, I, I love traveling. I've traveled all around the world. I think I've been to now over something like 55 countries. I, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I love skiing. Um, so lived in Canada for a couple of years. I'm a big, haven't, oh, I since love ha- Canada. yeah, since having children, haven't really skied as much. Um, You're but living in the wrong state. Well, well, we actually are, we have booked a trip for this Woo! winter um, down there, but, um, so yeah, one fact, love travel. I'm a big um, skier and I love hiking. Um, so those are the, my three, but I haven't been able to do much of it yeah. lately. And since having children, you've been too busy. I've been so busy. Yeah. But I'm trying to make more time for that this year. That's for sure. Oh, that's fantastic. And then, so going back to the hypnobirthing side of things now, for our listeners that don't know what that kind of involves, do you want to give us a bit of a rundown as to what is hypnobirthing? And if someone was to attend a class like yours, like what should they expect? Yeah, absolutely. Because there is a big stigma or a big, a big unknown about, you know, the word hypnobirthing. And I fell for it as well because a lot of people are unaware of actually what hypnosis is you know many people believe that hypnosis is some kind of mind control and that someone can make you do something that you wouldn't normally do but it's nothing like that hypnobirthing is an independent childbirth education program it's very much evidence-based it's no way hippie woo-woo Honestly, the hypno part of hypnobirthing, it does stand for hypnosis, but I just want to kind of clear up what hypnosis actually is because um, 
have either of you ever ex- experienced hypnosis before? No, Never. I'm too scared. So I feel like I'll do something like crazy if I'm like at a party or crazy, something. Crazy, yeah. <laughs> Can I actually tell you, you both have. Every single one of us has experienced hypnosis every single day. It's a very natural, normal state that we go in and out of many times during the day and you probably do you don't even notice it. Okay, so an example. Tell me more. Yeah, okay, oh so <laughs> have you ever been driving your car and you get to your destination but can't remember part of the journey? Oh, yes. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> so that is actually a state of hypnosis. You are there, you are physically driving the car, but you're actually driving that car subconsciously because you have driven that route to and from work so many times back and forth that it then allows you to bring your focus into something else. And that might be listening to a podcast in the car. That might be listening to an audiobook or the radio presenters. You're, you're actually focused on that, on what you're hearing rather than really driving on the road, but you're still able to get from A to B. And that's where you'll sometimes go through that roundabout, go through that set of lights and you'll be like, did that, was that a red light? <laughs> Is that How a green light? How did I get here? Yeah. Oh so there you go. this is understanding like, and same when we watch TV or we watch a movie, that is actually a state of hypnosis, all right? So the definition of hypnosis is where we are in a state or condition where we, we do com- become highly responsive to suggestions, but it's where we have a concentration on a single idea with the exclusion of all other thoughts. So to put that in short, all it means is a state of focus. When you are in that state of focus, that is where, like when you're watching TV, you're focusing on, on the TV or on, on the movie and you may not hear your partner say something or ask you a question because you're in that po- like state of focus. Um, this is where understanding that advertising has got us good when it comes to hypnosis mm. because they use advertising whilst we're in this state of focus to basically, um, in some ways, implant messages or, or that they want you to remember them and their company in their jingle because they put this annoying song to it so that for example I'd love to ask you a question and I this is where Sarah you may pick up on this but Rach maybe if you were wanting to retile your home who would you think of national tile yeah. <laughs> yes <laughs> yep <laughs> So annoying, that bloody ad. (laughs) Yeah, Frank from National Tiles. Frank Walker from National Tiles. Yes, I've heard that one before. There you go. So you've heard that ad so many times and he starts his ads off in the exact same way every single time. And it's worked because subconsciously, by me asking you that question, he was the first person that you thought of. So understanding the hypno part of hypnobirthing... And you might even catch yourselves now, like when you're driving or when you're daydreaming or maybe when you're just thinking about that meeting or that client or maybe what you could have said, like that is a state of hypnosis. It's all it means is a state of focus. Next time I hear Frank Walker, National Times, yeah. I'm thinking of you, sorry. <laughs> oh my gosh. I never thought about hypnosis like that though. Yeah. And that's all it is. And when it comes to the hypno part of hypnobirthing, all that means is that I teach couples, uh, women and birth partners, tools and techniques that they can focus on during their labor and birth. So instead of focusing on, I don't want to do this, I can't do this, this is painful, pain, 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 you know, where our focus goes, that's where our energy flows. I get them to be able to train their, their mind and body to bring their focus into something else, like the breath work, focusing on the breath 
even movement, the music, the tracks, the aromatherapy, the light touch massage or the acupressure points that the partner is um, activating at the time. So all it means is being able to bring shift your focus into something more positive. So therefore you have a more positive experience. Yeah. So what does that involve? Does it involve like how many classes should you attend or is it like a once off thing? Do you, yeah. it, it's a like whole program. Yeah. So it's a whole program. So it's around about um, a 14 hour program. Um, so you do have to attend the whole program to get all of the information. You can't just do one unit out of out of the four units that I teach. Um, so I either split the course up over two full Saturdays or I can split the course up over four, th- three and a half hour sessions. Um, but yeah, one unit leads into the next, which then leads into the next. So, oh look, there, there probably are kind of shorter courses out there, but um, yeah, the main program is, is it's a full program. So, but, but like, look, we all have the ability to train our mind and body. It's just seeking and knowing where to find the information. So what I provide, it is a structured program, but there's so much free information out there to be able to educate yourself or, or downloading tracks, you know, positive affirmations for birth. So no matter where you are in the world, no matter where you're at in your pregnancy, no matter what your financial situation is or your budget, you can use these techniques and there are places to find them. It's just taking that initiative to find them. And so what's the difference between a general antenatal or birthing class compared to hypnobirthing? And what should couples consider when choosing between these different types of classes? So there is a difference between an independent child with education program like the Hypnobirthing Australia program that I offer compared to the hospital antenatal classes. So the hospital antenatal classes, and this may be hard to hear for some people, all hospitals have policies and those policies, they are there to protect you, but they're also very much there to protect the hospital. And when you go to a hospital antenatal class, they will only share with you the information that they want you to hear within the policies. Um, So they're not really giving you all of the options because in some ways, again, it's a system. They want you to conform and Mm -hmm. to be able very much in many ways to control the situation. So that's what an independent childbirth education program can give you. There's no, I'm not bound by any hospital policies. I'm going to share with you information about the hospital system and your options within the hospital system, but I'm also going to give you options outside of that, that, well, that what this system will normally share. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that is, we all have human rights to be, to be given all of the information. Um, but that's, ba- that's basically the difference between a, a normal hospital antenatal class. They also don't go into depth in regards to the techniques it they can be and I highly I still actually recommend my parents if they say to me oh should I go to the hospital birthing classes I say yes the more you know about your options the more the better off you're going to be and after they've done my class they can then go to the hospital and go okay so all right we know now we have our what options what an epidural is those kinds of things as well and I do kind of cover that too but they will also cover that from a very medical perspective Um, and that's something that for everyone to understand as well, like myself as a practitioner, I'm not medically trained. So nowhere through the course do I give medical advice. 
And it's really important to understand that, that if I was to be asked if they should take a particular test or if they should say no to an induction, I would never say no to go against medical advice. But what I can do is help coach them and give them um, questions to ask or find them some more evidence-based information so that they, they can feel that they are getting all the information and make an informed decision that's right for them whilst working with their medical caregivers. Um, so by, by approaching your birth, being educated with tools, techniques, having good support, in some ways you actually make it easier for the medical caregivers as well because, look, I'm going to advocate for the medical caregivers. I can understand why they need to take control with so many women and partners because could you imagine having a couple who is, has no idea about the physiology of birth has no techniques to draw on, is screaming through labor, which isn't helping the situation, of course you're going to have to take control of that. Whereas when you have a couple coming in who is educated, informed, confident, know what their options are, the birth partners also know how to help the mum stay calm and focused and, and do techniques, then that actually gives them the opportunity to stand back, watch and observe, which is really what they should be doing. Once upon a time, a giraffe was born on St. Sophie's Day, May 25th, 1961. Sophie the giraffe was designed by a French gentleman who was an expert in transforming latex from the hevia tree using the rotational moulding of rubber. Sophie the giraffe is the first baby toy to stimulate all five senses, sight, hearing, smell, taste, touch, and she's also easy to grip. The dark contrasting attention catching spots all over Sophie's body provide visual stimulation. Made of 100% rubber and food grade paints, she's completely safe to chew. Sophie is perfect for your baby's small hands, thanks to her shape and size. She is very light and only 18 centimeters tall. Her long legs and neck make it easy for your baby to grip, even from their earliest days. The head has been designed for baby's front teeth and the legs for their back teeth. Sophie is sold worldwide and complies with the highest quality standards in the world. So mamas, if there's an essential item you need for your little one, then Sophie the Giraffe is a must-have. Absolutely. And I think that in birth, if you have more things to draw on, like what you can offer, the environment is calmer. Like you said, if the environment is very stressful, there's a lot of anxiety around then sometimes I would assume the medical practitioners feel like they need to intervene to get the situation more under control, which is, yeah, where a lot of intervention can happen. Yeah, but that's also where it has become so normal that we um, kind of hand ourselves over and give all the responsibility to the caregivers that when you come in and you're trying to do something different, some of the caregivers can be a bit like, oh, well, this is different, and that they may still act as if they normally would with any other couple who isn't educated. But I say to all of my, my couples, like we are the change our maternity system needs to see. If we don't start mm. speaking up for what we want, the kind of birth that we want, how we want to be supported, then the system's not going to change. And there are shifts happening, but we've still got a very long way to go. And they, it, it's kind of like, you know, we need to start making more noise about what we want because mm. as much as we ha we are very lucky to have the medical care that we do and the options when it comes to, um, uh, you know, the me you know, medicine and, and Western medicine in, in our country, um, 
it's also understanding like birth is normal. It's a normal, natural, physiological function of the body. So for us to be able to reduce the intervention rate, to reduce the cesarean rate in our country, which is so high at the moment, we need to kind of change things. And But we need to speak up to be able to do that. Mm. And that's also what I help mm. couples do, advocate for themselves. You know, I just had, I had a beautiful birth story shared with me this week where um, the, the mum had been told that they wanted to induce her at 41 weeks and three days because that's what the hospital policy was. And she confidently went in there and asked and said, well, is there a medical reason for the induction? There wasn't. It was because she'd gone post dates and she basically politely declined and said, no, I'd like to be supported to go up to 42 weeks. And her body went into labor right on 42 weeks. And if she hadn't advocated for herself, then that journey could have been so different for her because a lot of my couples now know the induction process, what what the benefits, but also what the risks are as well and what it could lead down when it comes to a cascade of intervention. And so she advocated for herself and it turned out to, to be the best choice because her baby was born beautifully because it w- she was given that, that time and space for her body to do it without having that timeline put on her. That's amazing. And I completely agree in that. I think Rachel and I started our Instagrams because when we were going through our studies, we couldn't believe how much information we were being told and it's just not general information. So I think I totally agree in that we need to be the advocates for women in this area. But I know just going more into what you teach, I know you talk a lot about the role that the uterus plays during labor. Can you dive into this and explain the role that oxytocin plays as well? Yeah, absolutely. this is a big one that I absolutely love sharing. And this is such a um, aha moment for so many of the parents that I teach because once again, when I say to these mums, like, do you actually know how your uterus is designed to work? They look at me like, no one's ever asked me that question before. No, I don't. I don't have any idea what, how my uterus works. Um, so I think it's really important that when we understand how the body works, then we can work with the body and understanding the sensations that we're feeling, what's actually happening, then you can start perceiving the sensations differently because right now many of us have been conditioned to perceive what we feel when we have a contraction, that contraction equals pain. But it also comes down to not really understanding what's happening physically with with the body. So the uterus is actually made up of layers of muscles um, and there are two main layers that come into play when um, birthing our baby. We have an outer layer, which is like a longitudinal layer. They run down the uterus. Then we have an inner layer, which is like a circular layer. It's more like an, at the base of the uterus, which comes down to form the cervix. So the cervix is the bottom of the uterus and a cervix could be on average anywhere between, oh, I think, around about three centimeters in thickness. Some women have thicker cervixes, some women can have shorter cervixes. So what actually happens is that, and understanding too, one of the biggest lessons that I learn is understanding the hormones of birth. Because without the hormones that we're designed to release, there is no labor and birth. And oxytocin is one of the main hormones. There's a whole cocktail of hormones that I could talk about for hours. But... (laughs) 
I'll just share about oxytocin. So we have thousands of oxytocin receptors located all around the outside of the uterus. And the closer we get to our birthing day, these oxytocin receptors start to open up. Now, for some women, those oxytocin receptors could be open as early as 37 weeks. For other, for others, some of them may not even open until they're over 41, even up to 42 weeks. This is also understanding that we are not all the same. We are all different. And also our bodies are different and also our babies are different. And now they've actually discovered that it's actually the baby who releases oxytocin as well, that, that actually they believe triggers labor. Um, oh. Yeah. So this is, this is kind of the theory and what they've, what they've been able to see. Um, and I've learned um, a lot of this through um, Dr. Sarah Buckley. Um, she has written a book called Gentle Birth, Gentle Mothering amazing book to read in regards to the hormones of birth. Uh, She studies the hormones of birth now. And so it's through our baby's oxytocin release that triggers our oxytocin release. So the oxytocin is known as the love hormone. It's the hormone that we release when we make love through nipple stimulation, through clitoral stimulation, when we orgasm. It's the bonding hormone as well. So, um, you know, when you first meet someone and you're like, got that like jittery feeling and you go on all, all those dates and make love all the time when you first meet that's that's the oxytocin that's releasing to create and hopefully cement that bond um throughout a lifetime you've got to keep working on that <laughs> but um so they believe that it's actually the oxytocin that stimulates the uterine contractions because when we our brain releases the oxytocin from the triggering or when it picks up our baby's oxytocin release, the oxytocin receptors in the uterus receive the oxytocin. And this is what starts to stimulate what we call uterine contractions. And these muscle, the, the longitudinal muscles and the inner, um, inner circular muscles um, draw... So the longitudinal muscles draw the circular muscles up around your baby's head. um, And that's what thins the cervix out and opens it up. So oxytocin is a very shy hormone though. It will only come out if we are in an environment where we feel safe, private and unobserved. And this is a big question I also ask in my classes. Like I kind of say to women, okay, so we know oxytocin is the love hormone. It's what we release when we orgasm and when we make love. So I kind of say like to, to some of my mums, if you were in a hospital room making love with bright white lights, beeping machines, people you've never met before coming in, wanting to put you on monitors and do vaginal examinations, do you think you could orgasm? And they're all, they're all like, no way. And I'm just getting them to think of the fact of, okay, well, for us to reach that peak of orgasm, being you know, in our own environment where we're relaxed with the lights down, where we can feel connected with our partner, not being disturbed, like, and also you've got to fully relax for it to happen. That's such a great way to explain it. Wow. Yeah, I really like that. And I suppose that's why you're encouraged to stay at home for as long as you can because you're in that environment that you feel really safe. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And look, you can create that environment in a hospital setting, um, but yeah, it's just knowing how, <laughs> um, yeah, because we have to continue, continually release oxytocin. And, and like I said, there's a whole other cocktail of hormones that come into play. It's, that's just one hormone out of the cocktail of hormones that we need to, for, for physiological birth. But, um, yeah, how we feel, it affects how we labor. Um, and this is also where I've started to question and ask and go, well, 
why is it that women are going so far over their estimated due date? And I, when you it come back to it, it's the fear. If we're in a state of fear, anxiety, stress, or if we have pressure put on us, and this is what's happening with our medical system, they are saying to women, if you don't have your baby by 41 weeks, we're booking you in for an induction. Like, how would that make mm. you feel? It It's stressful. and And then women try and put pressure themselves to go into labor. I've got to go walking. We've got to have sex. We've got to book in for acupuncture. That is not relaxing to allow that shy hormone to be able to release. And it's, it's really hard. It's, it's really hard with how women are being treated these days for them to even release the hormone to start labor. And so that's maybe why their labor doesn't start. And then they need the synthetic hormone to, to induce labor contractions which that is a whole nother kettle of fish. Like induction of labor, induction of labor is not natural physiological labor. There's a huge difference and a lot of women don't realize that. I think we need to have like, this is like episode <laughs> one with Shari. Yeah. It's going to be like a series, Literally a whole the Shari series. series. Oh gosh, you just need to come along to a, wow. you need to come and do the full course. <laughs> I would actually love to, because I feel like, it would help in so many other aspects of life. Mm. And I'm sure that we have patients outside of pregnancy and postpartum that would benefit immensely yeah. from your yeah. course. And so people that obviously do your course, these techniques that they're learning, they obviously sound like they're perfect to do if you're trying to bring labor on and be in like a really stress-free environment, be really relaxed yeah. to bring oxytocin. On. Yeah. So that that's, yeah, yeah, I teach them that. Like we can release our own oxytocin. We don't need a man to make us orgasm. Like, <laughs> you know, <Yeah>. we, through <laughs> nipple stimulation, clitoral stimulation, like we, honestly, those last few weeks, I, I say to women, you need to go into your cave. You need to block out outside distraction, turn your, you know, your notifications off. Don't allow people to just keep calling you and texting you, asking if you've had the baby. Don't put pressure on yourself. Like I have women who are trying to make themselves go into labor from 38 weeks. And it's like, I, is that really helping? No, because they're putting a lot of pressure on themselves mm. and that's causing stress. And what you really need to do is just chill out, eat ice cream, watch some funny movies, have sex. or And just live, live your best life. Just chill out, <laughs> sleep, nap. Yeah, exactly. So that's just, a, you know, that's there's so much more to it. And that's, yeah, that's what you that's what you really get in the full course is like the full picture of it and understanding yeah. the physiology of birth, but also then understanding the mind body connection. We can put ourselves into fight or flight through thought alone. If we can do that, we can also bring ourselves out through thought alone as well. And that's exactly mm-hmm. what I teach. It's all about mind over body, mindset techniques, positive, you know, thought. Um, catching yourself if you are kind of feeling anxious and being able to bring yourself into a different focus. Absolutely. And that kind of brings us on to our next topic about like mindset. Like what kind of role, if someone's got a really poor mindset or a really negative mindset, how do you think that's going to affect their labor and their birth experience compared to someone that's got a really positive outlook on it? Well, you know, if you keep telling yourself you can't do something, you won't. And it's yeah. the same with birth. Um it's if you don't believe in your own ability to birth your baby then who else will so it needs to start with you but unfortunately it's really hard for women to see the positive in birth when all we are being 
surrounded by is negative birth stories. When you watch movies, you know, you watch one born every minute, all of that, all it is doing is creating stress, fear, and anxiety. And when we are in that sympathetic nervous system, it's, it's really hard to rationalize with, with, um, with a woman who's in that, in that state. And because she's become focusing on everything that could go wrong rather than everything that could go right. And so of course the body's going to react to that because what the mind believes the body perceives, like you, if you focus on pain, 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 then that's going to be your experience. So yeah, mindset is huge. Like you think that the uterus is the biggest player when it comes to birth. It's not, it's the mind. And, but only you can tell yourself you can't do it. And that's, but that's where we need help. You know, we're not designed to birth alone or do this by ourselves. And that's why it's like, call in your positive birth team, call in people who are going to, or surround yourself with women and people who are going to lift you up, not bring you down. And again, you choose who you surround yourself with. So you can either call in people like professionals, like myself, like both of you to be able to to teach you about your body, about the power of the mind, give you these tools and techniques, um, or just even surround yourself with friends that you know who've maybe had a positive experience and talk to them about birth. Mm. Don't allow anyone else or entertain any other stories. And that's where setting your boundaries and taking back your power is, is a big part. And you know what? When a baby is born, a mother is born and there's, it's like a rite of passage that we go through and becoming a mother, it's a journey and it's a journey of self-discovery and it's not easy and birth isn't easy, but you're absolutely designed to birth your baby. You know, if your body can grow your baby, do you think it then wouldn't suddenly know how to birth your baby? And when you think about it like that, mm, I love that. Like nature is not flawed. Now I'm not saying that there aren't complications that can't come up. Um, you know, there are things that, that can inhibit natural physiological birth as well. But if you are having a normal, healthy, uncomplicated pregnancy, there should be no reason why you can't allow your body time and space to birth naturally. But you need to get out of your, your head and allow your body to do it because every other mammal on this planet can do it as well so we are mammals too so shari what about when mums get told they can't have a vaginal birth they need to have a c-section is that a thing yeah. is there an anatomical discrepancy where that particular person can't birth vaginally? Yeah, there are medical conditions for sure there are definitely um reasons and is that common um it look it's because I feel like I've heard that so much where mums say they've been told they have to have a C-section. I think not so much now, but I know in my mum's era, there were so many of my mum's friends who were told they had to have a Caesar. And I'm, whenever I asked my mum, I'm like, well, what did, why? What was the reason? They can't give me an answer. Well, look, our, we have a very high caesarean rate and it is alarming. Um, and if we don't ask questions, then we won't be given answers. So being told by a medical caregiver that um, you should have a cesarean because you're having a big baby, many women get scared and make that, that decision because they're being told that their baby can't fit through the pelvis. Now, this is where I come in to educate 
and get women to understand that there's actually no accurate means of assessing or weighing a baby until they are born. And measuring a woman's pregnant bump or palpating is and estimating the size that way is is wrong more than 50% of the time. Same with ultrasound. So you get a little bit more of an accurate um, measurement with ultrasound. It's not accurate. It's still an estimation. And this is what a lot of women don't understand where they, where they measure the abdomen. But this is still only a, a estimate, like an estimation within 15% of the baby's actual birth weight. So if the baby's actual weight was eight pounds, the estimation could be anywhere between six pound 13 and nine pound three ounces. Like that's a big, you know, that's a big difference. difference. And this is something that I am hearing a lot now is the suggestion of women Mm -hmm. having big babies. And that is what then a lot of medical caregivers are using as a reason to encourage intervention, induction, or just book a cesarean. But then what's happening is these babies are being born and they're perfect size. So there are valid medical reasons, okay? But this is where it's understanding what the difference is between a complication in pregnancy compared to a variation because there's a lot of intervention happening in this country for an in-case-of model of care instead of because-of model of care. Now, it's not to say that some of those variations then may turn into complications, but they may not as well. So it's kind of hard to answer that question because I think there is a lot of um, cesareans happening for variations rather than complications or by choice you know a lot of women and I guess that that too is where we all deserve to have options and if you want to schedule and know what day your baby's going to be born then that's our own free will and that's our own choice to be able to do that but what needs to happen what I believe from the medical caregivers is we need to start asking well why are they not trusting enough in their body to birth naturally understanding that first and maybe giving them some education so that they know and if they still then make that decision then that's going to be an informed decision not a decision based off fear so I don't know if that answered your question it's such a hard one like you said because gestational diabetes can um, I suppose put you at risk of having a larger baby um, over four kilos but like you said it's just a guess and nearly everyone that has gestational diabetes is encouraged to be induced at 38 or 39 weeks because of a larger baby and a lot of the time they come out perfectly healthy sizes so yeah and that's uh, that's a label that has been put on a lot of women and um Look, Rachel Reed talks a lot about this. So Rachel Reed is a quite a well-known uh, midwife here in Australia. She has a PhD. She's written the book Why Induction Matters, and she actually talks about this as well in regards to a lot of women are being diagnosed with gestational diabetes, but if they are able to control their gestational diabetes with diet and exercise, then they should not even be the label should not even be put on them because if it's being controlled then it's like they don't have it. It's only if it's not controlled and then has to be controlled with insulin that, yes, that's where um, the pathology in the body, just something's not right, okay? So that is a complication. So, but a lot of women don't know this as well um, and don't know the questions to ask um, to be able to advocate for themselves because it's kind of like once you've got that label on you, you're put in the box, and when, once you're in the box, they want to keep you in the box and they, and again, want to um, take control 
you know, and I honestly believe that many of these medical caregivers, like they are also very much conditioned to believe that this intervention is the safest for all women. They they truly, and it's not saying that they, they don't care. It's, they do, they do truly care, but they also truly believe that, many believe that birth is a natural because <laughs> mm. of what they're taught too. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? When you think about it like on a deeper mm. level like this, it makes you question so many things that we know um about the and that's what i want yeah and that's what we should be doing yeah we should mm. be questioning and we have every right to question you know and again the questioning could then lead to still to the same decision mm. but at least then you know okay well we need to look at all right if you're being recommended intervention if you're being recommended recommended a cesarean what is the complication does this complication pose a risk to mother and baby if not, because it may be a variation, it may, you know, then could you wait? But then we need to start talking about what are the risks of the intervention itself? Because intervention in birth, it also poses risks as well. Mm. And inducing a labor, um, one of the main risks when it comes to inducing labor with syntocin, and so syntocin is a synthetic makeup of oxytocin. So it acts on the, on the oxytocin receptors in the uterus in the same way as oxytocin. But this is where I'm saying it's a very different kettle of fish when it comes to physiological birth and an induced labor. It is not natural because oxytocin is released from the brain and is altered by feedback from the mother, the baby, and her environment. So um, in physiological birth, we will even see that there are these these maybe gaps between the really intense contractions. And those gaps are there to give the baby the recovery that it needs and the oxygen that it needs between those really intense contractions. Because when we, when our uterus contracts, it, it contracts onto the placenta and the placenta provides oxygen to the baby. So you'll see in a physiological birth or an undisturbed birth is what we call it, where the woman's just left to a, like left alone, that she may have these beautiful gaps between her contractions. With an induced labor, when they induce labor with a synthetic hormone, it's administered via a drip. So it cannot be altered by feedback by the baby, the mother, and her environment. And so that is where one of the main risks of inducing labor with syntocinin is the risk of fetal distress. Because the labor, you basically skip early labor, go straight into active labor, and then all of a sudden you've gone mm. from nothing, having really intense contractions lasting a minute coming every two and three you know two minutes and so there are less recovery period time for the placenta to be able to recover to supply the baby with oxygen so medical caregivers have got very very good in managing and induced labor and if baby is getting into distress they'll just turn the syntocin and drip down but then and that will then space out the 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 contractions but then they can't get the contractions into an effective enough pattern to be able to open the cervix. And so that's where an induced labor can double your risk of having a cesarean from something like 12.3% to 26%. And it's normally not because of the fact that the baby was right in distress at that time. If the baby was showing signs of distress, they would turn the syntocin and down the baby would be, you know, maybe normal again. It's because they, it's just, well, it's not safe to continue the in, induction with syntocin. So Shari, as pelvic floor physios, I know we always, well, generally we'll see more birth trauma with a first birth compared to a second or third. 
not all the time, but very frequently. I'm just trying to think now that like, do you think the fear and the, I guess, the education that we don't know with our first pregnancy is related to birth trauma? Um, uh, yeah, it's definitely connected. That's for sure. Um, but the other thing too, with first time mums, especially those who've, who have no education, don't know how to work with the body, don't know to how to recognize how to release their pelvic floor through the breath. Um, and they are directed to push. So there's a lot of directive pushing. Evidence has shown that directive pushing increases mm-hmm. perineal tears and, and causes more pelvic floor damage right because you have a caregiver going push 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 so they're pushing and pushing and pushing so hard they're all muscles down there but if you do an explosive movement and you've never done that before then of course you can then have the risk you know tearing that muscle so these babies are being pushed out really hard really quickly which is not allowing time for the pelvic floor to you know open up the the perineum to to open up and stretch whereas what i kind of teach if a woman is able to have a physiological birth so that means they haven't had an epidural um even an induced labor they can they can still do this with an induced labor but they have to be very connected in but with mother directed pushing right the uterus changes and actually does what's called the um fetal ejection reflex so the the uterus will tell the mother when to push. When she breathes and bears down with that push, it's very normal for the baby to come down and then retract a little. And then there's that gap between the intense pushing surges or contractions. And then you'll get another intense push. The baby will come down a little bit more and retract a little. And so it's a lot, it's this down and retract, down and retract that is then also going to allow time for the pelvic floor all those muscles down there to actually stretch and open up so mother directed pushing is big like it it can make a big difference not saying that it it won't you know it doesn't guarantee that you you won't have a tear but also that's where you know what what you're both doing i'm such a big advocate for women even before they birth to go and see women's health pelvic floor specialists so they can understand one you know do they have an overactive pelvic floor is their pelvic floor already so switched on that they then need to learn how to switch it off because that's also um where you know babies get stuck and things like that because they they their pelvic floor is so switched on so the babies can't make their way through the pelvic floor mm, absolutely and it's, it's just so interesting listening to you talk about that because so many people that have epidurals don't even get the opportunity to experience that urge to push with their body telling them it's very directive from the medical mm. team. And that's why with an epidural, there is an increased risk of having um, an episiotomy and forceps and ventus delivery. So, of course, that is also going to cause possible trauma to the pelvic floor and tearing. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's the pelvic floor trauma that can last after those things is lifelong. So it's definitely not spoken about enough. So I think having all of these tools in your toolbox, like we've said so much throughout the podcast already, is just amazing how it can improve so many outcomes. But it's just that everyone's like, just give me that epidural, like as soon as I get to hospital, because I don't want to feel the pain. And I don't know, does it stem from like celebrities, like promoting this in their birth? Like it's amazing that so many people just have that thought pattern. 
well, it's just become normal, you know? It's just it's just become such a normal part of birth. The caregivers so casually just offer it. Um, yeah, but again, a lot of women are not being told also the the risks that come with having an epidural that then could cause lifelong injury um, to, mm. to, to them. Um, so yes, epidurals, there's always a time and place. There's always a time and place for medical intervention, okay? And for some women, if babies are not in a good position, labor can be extremely painful. And so yes, that does, the epidural will take that away. But I also then even show my mums how they can create pelvic mobility in space, even with an epidural, by using something that's called a, a peanut ball. Um, so they, rather than birthing on their back on a bed where they're pushing their baby up an incline against gravity to birth on their side with this peanut ball in between their legs so that they are still creating um, you know, space um, for, for their baby, which can then reduce the risk of tearing as well. Um, they still have to have the directive pushing, um, but it, this is this is not being taught. Like I, I'm actually teaching um, a lot of other medical professionals, um, uh, midwives, doulas, um, physios, chiros um, about, it's called the Supportive Caregiver Program. And even when I share this information with them and they work in birth, they are like, this all makes sense. We were never taught this. They're not taught this yeah. at university. They're not taught the mm. breathing. They're not taught any of the pelvic mobility um, stuff. Really good midwives go and go to those workshops and learn that stuff. Um, but there's a lot that they don't know as well. So, And that's the thing too. I think even, again, listening to you talk, there's such a massive benefit with seeking professional advice like I know from a pelvic floor physio perspective we teach down training and perineal massage and helping you breathe through the the labor process but we don't really touch too much on mentally putting yourself in the right headspace so I think having the two tools at your you know footstep I think that makes such a big difference to your entire experience and I guess that kind of leads me to sort of our last question and this is a big question but I'm sure you get asked this all the time what would you recommend and why would you are you more pro-vaginal births I'm sort of assuming you are or c-sections uh look I'm I'm not I'm not pro anything. All I want is women to be informed and be able to make informed decisions where they feel empowered. It, it's about how the women come out of the experience. And no matter how babies are born, whether it be cesarean, cesarean is still birth. And a woman can go in, have an amazing, beautiful, empowered cesarean birth. That That is what um, we need to Women, women should be coming out of their experience feeling empowered and not traumatized. So whether it be for a one woman that could look like a planned cesarean where she's able to still use some beautiful relaxation techniques, feel very connected with her partner, or another woman may choose to want to have a vaginal birth. Um, it's, not how, it's not how we birth, it's the experience that we come out of it. That, you know, that's the start of our journey as a mother. And if we are traumatized in birth, then what effect is that going to have on these women when they then need to mother their babies? Um, so it's really, yeah, I, I wouldn't put it in the way that I'm pro-vaginal, 
I am, you know, I'm pro-choice, you know, and I want women to just be given all of the information because mm. I've had like, I again, just this week on Monday, I got a, a message from a mum who, who originally, she said, I went from wanting to have a planned cesarean and she said she heard about my course and was like, I know I'll probably still want a cesarean, but I'll go and check it out. Her whole perception of birth changed. She realized she was making that decision from a place of fear and she went on and had the most amazing natural vaginal birth and that just made my day. But if she was to still come out of it going, I had the most amazing empowered cesarean birth, then that for me, that's what it's all about. Mm, Absolutely. And so... Shari, with your courses, is there like a course specifically designed for like vaginal deliveries and then a separate one for empowering women with C-section or it doesn't matter, you'll come to the same class and you can do the whole course? I, um, I do, there are two separate courses it, mm-hmm. within the main program. So that's the 12 hour, uh, positive birth program. We do cover preparing for special circumstances, I do cover preparing for induction and I do cover um, um, a little bit about cesarean birth um, and, you know, how you can approach a a cesarean birth if it ends up in an emergency cesarean. But if I have a mum who has either decided to have a planned cesarean or for medical reasons, they cannot birth vaginally, we do have a separate course and that's a three hour program, which is specifically just designed to give them tools and techniques for their cesarean birth. We have cesarean materials, cesarean affirmation tracks, fear release. Um, So that's specifically for cesarean. But in the full program, I do try and help them feel prepared as possible or they then, all of my clients have my full phone and email support leading up to their birth. So even if they do decide or if they advised it's safest to have a cesarean, um, then some of them choose to, some may not, um, call me and I can do a bit of coaching with them in regards to releasing the fears of maybe letting go of, of the original birth that they had been preparing for and hoped for and really to get them to see the, the power that they have within themselves to still make this cesarean birth as beautiful and calm and positive as possible as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose, I don't know if you see this a lot, but I see it a lot with my patients I see postnatally that even having planned seizures, but just aren't maybe in their mindset prepared for being in an operating theater, having a surgical team around you and come out of the experience traumatized without even really knowing that they're traumatized from it. It's only hearing them talk about it that you pick up on that. Do you see that a lot? Yeah, absolutely. I think because too, it has just become so acceptable that women experience trauma in birth. Mm. And that's where, you know, women are made to feel that in some ways they can't talk about it because there is this whole um, stigma around as long as baby's safe, that's all that matters. And it's not all that matters. Yes, Mm. it's our main goal, but mothers matter and the experiences that they had and how they are spoken to and how they are Mm -hmm. are made to feel in their experience matters um but we've just kind of come into this well the baby's healthy you should be like you know you should be grateful that your baby's here safely and so they you know if they do try and speak up about how they feel about their experience they're kind of shut down because their baby's here and that's all all that should matter Mm. um 
So there is, you know, I mean, I help women plan for for birth or sorry, prepare. You can't plan your birth, (laughs) prepare for birth. But there's a whole postpartum plan that needs to come in as well. Um, And I share that. I don't share the postpartum. Sorry, I don't teach that. But I so encourage my my um, clients to ensure they have a postpartum plan and they have that support and they have people that they can either talk to and um, debrief with or um, just again post-birth recovery and that's seeing a women's health pelvic floor specialist if they do feel uh, and even if they don't to just be able to go and get checked you know before they get that clearance from their GP who has no idea about pelvic floor um, to be able to go and start exercising and doing, you know, box jumps at F45. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) yes, we do. (laughs) You're preaching to the choir. (laughs) Well, yeah. And, and this, and this is what, like we, honestly, what you both offer, it should be a part of the, the system in regards to care for women as just like they do the gestational diabetes tests and things to be able to go and 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 have um time with practitioners like yourself to learn what's normal what's not what's safe where they're at what their pelvic floor's doing what the the muscle separation is doing before trying to get their pre-baby body back and then causing even more damage um so I do try and advocate for that. That's for sure. I'm no expert, obviously. It makes our job so challenging too when patients go and see their GP at their six-week postnatal checkup and they say, you're good to go. Mm. Without even doing an internal examination, looking at anything, yeah. Like it, it, it's just, it, without being recommended to go and see a physio, like it, uh, it's really tough. I think, it is, I think you're right though, Shara. I think it is changing and there is more awareness and I think mm-hmm. social media does play a big role and word of yeah. mouth. But mm-hmm. I think this has been an amazing chat and I can't wait to have you on the podcast again if you'd be open to it. I would love to do a whole segment on birth trauma. I think it's just, yeah. you, have, you have so much to offer. And look, I, I think even for yourselves, like just like I have a supportive caregiver program where I teach other practitioners about hypnobirthing and things like that, I think it'd be an amazing idea for you know practitioners like yourself to even put something together for childbirth educators so that they can understand what you do, what you offer, what the benefits are, mm. what kind of things women should look for so that then when we are with women during whilst we are pregnant, we can say these are the key things that that by seeing a women's health physio can help you with to help avoid then having lifelong incontinence or, or pain, mm. you know, painful sex and all of that. Mm. Um, and when the dads hear that, they're like, you should do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? Cause I, I, I don't know. I don't, I know a little bit, but I don't yeah. know much. So I, 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 as a practitioner would love to learn more. Um, but where do I do that? Maybe we can have like a girls weekend and you can teach us, we can teach you. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Come on up to the Gold Coast. Yeah. <laughs> well, Shari, we might wrap up with our last and final questions. I'll let Rach, you take it away. Just they're just three fun questions that we'll finish off on sure. this note. Far away. So Shari, when we, oh, well, we can travel in Australia, but when we can travel anywhere, where would be the next place that you go? Africa. I didn't get to do Africa on Love my that on my world trip so i'd love to love to see africa for sure 
Yeah. Amazing. Is that like one of the only places you haven't tipped off? Yeah, I've been to Egypt, but I'm not. <laughs> yeah, I want to go to the safaris and stuff. But amazing, very cool. And then, do you have a mantra that you live by? The universe always has my back. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm always being led. And again, I've, I was led into this work. I feel it's my life's purpose. I'm here for a reason. I'm here to share the world, like share with the world what birth can be like. And yeah, changing the world one birth at a time. So we need more of you. <laughs> and if you had 24 hours left on the earth, what would it be that you do? Do you know what? It would just be with my kids and my family and um, go and, you know, eat ice cream on the beach and watch the waves under, you know, maybe a rising full moon. How good is that? That's been a very common answer amongst our podcast guests. But um, Shari, thank you so much for your time tonight. We really appreciate it. And if clients want to come and see you and do your courses, where, where can they go? Um, well, I have a whole range of options from face-to-face courses on the Gold Coast to live online courses. So I've been teaching couples all around the world um, for the last, well, since COVID. Um, but they can find me on my website, which is bellytobirth.com.au and it's the number two. So B-E-L-L-Y, the number two, birth.com.au or on my Instagram, belly to birth um yeah i have a lot of fun with reels and things like that now i i do share a lot of free information through my instagram and i love connecting with um with women and again thank you for this opportunity to share i know i probably went on a couple of little rants there but that's kind of we love that's it. how i teach i teach from a place of such passion that i can talk about this yeah. for hours and i do that's what i do now you know i i teach up to yeah five five days a week now this is my this is my main job so yeah if you if if you're ready and you you feel that you need some help preparing for your birth there is a lot of information out there whether it be free or by coming and you know invest in your experience that's honestly doing the hypnobirthing course with me was one of the the best ever financial investments I ever did because it was life-changing and Mm. you will always remember your birth you only get one chance to birth your baby you don't get to to take it back so preparing Mm. yourself as much as possible that's what's going to help you come out of your experience feeling positive and you can't really put a price on on the experience of bringing your baby into the world but you know it's yeah I'm going to stick around doing this for a while. And your passion is so inspiring too. Like I think anyone who does your course is going to be very, very lucky and very, very blessed to have you under their wing. But we'll pop all your notes in, all your details in the show notes. Um, But yeah, again, thank you so much. And we will, yeah, speak to you very soon. Thank you so much, Shari. It's fantastic. Thank you. You're welcome. I can't wait to connect with you both more. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like to learn more, please head over to our Instagram page at listenupladies.podcast. We would also really appreciate it if you could hit the subscribe button so our podcast is more accessible to women all over.